till the kids were gone, I thought somebody told me last night who looked at it and said, yeah, that's kind of creepy. Make sure the kids are gone before they see those hands come out. That's kind of how our past feels to us sometimes. But okay, before we get there today, being the 30th, Proverbs 30, here's one or a couple for you. Proverbs 30 verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is true. He guards those who come to him for safety. Do not add to his words or he will correct you and prove you a liar. Okay, so that's a great proverb. I love that one. How are you this morning? Great. Everybody good? Let's, uh, let's just invite the Lord. We're in the start of a very uh, brand new series, and um, I just really believe the Holy Spirit is up to something that's a, a little bit unexpected for me. I wasn't planning to teach this series as much as a week ago. I was on a completely different tangent, and I really feel like the Lord is up to something special. So let's just invite... God, Lord, um, we stand on that scripture that says that every word of God is true. And so, Lord, when we read your scripture, we ask God for you to light the word up in our soul, light it up in our heart, light it up in our spirit, Lord. Let it grip us the way that you originally intended. We invite you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, this, uh, we're starting a new series. It's called Get Past Your Past. And... Um, uh, I'm, it's going to probably be about four weeks, I think, and uh, we're going to be doing some things. I, I, I really believe the Lord is going to show up supernaturally in ways that uh, will subtract things in your past and let you view your future completely differently. Um, because I think a lot of us, at some time, someone has betrayed us, or somebody has lied to us, or somebody has hurt us, and we carry those things around with us. We carry bitter, bitterness and resentment. We just carry those things with us into, and, and, and into the future. And so next week, we're going to talk biblically about why it's so important for us to forgive and uh, what the Bible says about how to forgive people that have heard us. The following week, we're going to talk about something I've not heard a lot of sermons on because um, I, just, I think that our viewpoint mostly is we, you know, we view the world through right here. How do things affect me? What's my experience? What's going on? But that following week, we're going to talk about uh, taking responsibility for our own actions and um, owning up to things that we've done and how to initiate healing in relationships with other people when it's ours to do, so, to do that, when it's uh, something that's um, up to us to apologize for. And I believe that as a result of what the Holy Spirit's going to do, that there will be a lot of relationships that are healed, a lot of parent and child relationships, a lot of marriages, a lot of friendships. They will be healed if we just let the Holy Spirit tenderly work on our heart about things that the Holy Spirit would say, hey, Terry, time to go make this thing right. You've forgotten about it, but it's there, and I'll lead you, and it'll be okay. I think the Holy Spirit's going to do some of that. And then when we get to wrap up the series, we're going to talk about how to get past our own past, the... Um, failures, the mistakes, you know, the things that, um, the sinfulness even in our own past. And I think for a lot of people, they, they might say, you know, yeah, I know God has forgiven me, but you know, I just still struggle with me, the things I know I'm responsible for. And um, we're going to let the word of God speak to us about our, our own past. So today I want to talk though about breaking labels, labels that bind us up. And for many of us, somewhere in our past, somebody has called us something or they've characterized us in some way. And uh, maybe even we've believed a lie about our own past and something that isn't true. And uh, now I, I believe the Lord is going to do a work today in us and help us overcome that. There are some labels that get attached to entire cultures, um, 
And this, this uh, as I look across the room here, I think, now this might sound racist statement. So, okay, here's a racist statement for you. I think many of us have never really experienced racism. I mean, I look across the crowd today, and although we, we have people of various races that, that are here, there are times we have more and other times we have fewer. But by and large, this is a majority culture here. And I think an awful lot, we go through life and we don't experience a whole lot of racism. It's not so true in other places. Um, Lisa and I had dinner with a couple of couples just on Friday night, and one of the couples is a missionary to South Africa, white couple. And um, I just started asking some questions about the culture. They've been there for years, and I just was kind of curious about apartheid and, um, you know, what's going on there and what's the culture like. And, and uh, the answers were pretty interesting. I mean, um, in post-civil rights era America, which, which still has racism, but I remember the race riots of the 60s. Many of you will remember that too. And just, just deep division within our culture. We still have it. But it was way on the surface and way louder and way more vivid back then. Uh, but from that viewpoint, I say, um, I, I, I look almost condescendingly on South Africa and their apartheid past, right? Like I should not have do. Smile with me. I'm be nice, you know. Um, so I, I ask questions. What's, what's the deal down there? What's it like? Is there racism? You know, because the, the vast majority of people are not. Well, there's a, there's a white culture there. And, there's, there's no, and I, said, I said, describe to me the circumstances. Well, of course, you have a lot of people who are black, and they're called blacks. And you have a lot of people who are white, and they're called whites or Afrikaans. And those would be people that are descendants of the original white settlers that are Dutch, basically. And then they had a whole large segment of society that are called coloreds. Now, that's a denigrating term in our culture. It's a, probably a denigrating term there, too, but it's the, the word that all of them use, the coloreds. What's that, I said? Well, those are people that aren't white enough to be white, and they're not black enough to be black. I said, well, who are they? He says, well, they're um, cross-cultural people that are part black, part white, um, or maybe they were um, a Malaysian and white. I mean, there's this combination, and they're called coloreds. And I said, well, so it's like, is that another cast or what's the deal? And he said, yeah, there's, um, you know, there are places that, you know, apartheid ended in the 90s, um, approximately, and it's officially it ended, but, but the racism continues. And, and um, um, the colors, there were, there were places that they were just not allowed to be. In fact, if you were black, you weren't allowed to work or to own a business in any of the white zones without a permit, and, well, how big a deal was that? Well, you know, if you were colored, it was harder to get the permit than if you're black. Well, how do you determine if somebody is colored or if they're black? Well, if you're not sure, and they do this today, you measure the distance between their eyes and the width of the nose. And that determines where you go, where you can work, where you go. Now, you can go there in the white zones and work, but you have to have a special permit. And the Afrikaans' word for that is dompas which is Afrikaans' language for dumb pass. I have to be careful saying that. (laughs) Did I really say that just now? I mean, but think about the label. You can go there and you can have a job as long as you have a dumb pass. Imagine what that's doing in their soul about who they are. They can go... If they have their dumb, I'm, I'm a dumb person. 
And that's what the culture says to them. You're colored, therefore you just don't have the intellectual horsepower. You don't have the ability to do much more than dig ditches. Maybe, you need, maybe you're in poverty because that's where you belong in life. And all of this is pressed upon them, pressed upon them, an entire culture. And so when our missionaries get there and they say, God loves you, the concept goes click and doesn't go down. Because they've been taught they're not loved their entire life. Why would anybody love them, especially God? It just doesn't make sense. And so this label, which has been very carefully applied by hell, sticks. And some labels, don't you hate it when you buy something, you want to take the label off and it just comes off in little tiny threads and it won't all come off? You know, and there's some labels that just grip and they will not come off. And my heart was breaking as I was hearing this. I mean, these people live in poverty and so forth. But even worse than the poverty is the emotional containment. And it just, it's, it's, it's hellish. It's just not good. And I think a lot of labels are that way. I'm going to name some well-known names, and I need your help, okay, for some people who have labels attached to their names. So as I say this, this is your chance to participate and help me out here, okay? So you can help me preach this me- the message today. Attila the... Hey, we got this thing going on. Okay, Conan the... Barbarian. Movie buffs. Okay, um, Billy the... <laughs> Buffy the... Vampire Slayer. <laughs> okay, all right. Some of you had that one too. That's really good. Okay, and now for all of you young at heart, Winnie the... Okay. <laughs> all of these people have labels that follow their names. What I'd like to ask you is this. What is the negative label that follows your name? Maybe somebody's called you, you know, you're a doormat. You, 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 people take advantage of you and you always lay over and just absorb it. You're just a doormat. You're too nice for anything. Or, or maybe you're the lazy one or you're the irresponsible one or you're the hothead or you're the, you know, you're not good with money person or you're the wild party girl or the wild guy who's never going to settle down. Or maybe you've just been told your whole life, you're just the average. You're never going to really excel. You're never going to be good at anything, but you're average. You're just labeled your whole life as average. I want to um, illuminate this with the word of God. But when we do that, I I want you to, to consider looking through the lens of your negative label. What is it that God would say um, about that negative label that follows your name? And as you think about it, I want to just kind of throw some salt into this soup and tell you that God's power is always bigger than your past. God's truth is more powerful than your present truth, whatever that happens to be. In fact, if you own a label, if you have a label right now, and it's actually a true label, I want you also to understand that what's true about you today doesn't have to always be true about your tomorrows. I believe the power of God is going to speak to people today and, and, and make it no longer true. God, in the power of Christ, is going to break some labels that bind some of us here. So, okay, so let's see what, um, how God will give you a new God-centered view based on his word. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says this. Anyone who belongs to Christ, that's anyone, by the way, doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, doesn't matter how bad your past is, or how true the label is, doesn't matter who you are, anyone who belongs to Christ, that that means if you 
have repented of your sins and submitted to the lordship of, of the Son of God, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. If you're in Christ, all of the old is done away with, it's gone. And, you know, the, the power of sin, the power of sin that has held you back can be broken in the name of Jesus. All of that can be washed away and, and the newness of life in Christ is available to you. Those things that have held you hostage will hold you no more. And God has a new centered, a new view, viewpoint for you to understand. So I'm going to give you a, f- a few principles, three principles that I think will help us set us free that are found in the word of God. The first principle is this. God will give you a new name. He's going to literally give you a new name. If, he hasn't, if you don't know it, he will give you a new name. Isaiah 62.2 says this. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. The mouth of the Lord. Our Lord will bestow on you a new name. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> I'm a guy, I'm going to make fun of younger girls, okay? So it's kind of like a girl and, you know, a younger girl, she kind of gets kind of interested in a guy and she's got this, you know, remember we would take those craft a piece of craft paper and you'd wrap it around your textbooks to protect it at school and so forth and you'd see it. It was written right there. It didn't, up in the corner it would say Lisa Coulson. But all over the front of it would say Lisa Ann Fisher. XOXOXO Hart. XOXOXO Hart. Terry Hart Hart Hart. <laughs> Lisa Ann Fisher. Fisher, Fisher. <laughs> and God will replace. Am I digging too deep, Rachel? <laughs> God will replace your old title with a new name. And there are a lot of examples in Scripture um, that will get me out of this hole. <laughs> How about Abram and Sarai? Um, this couple who really, more than anything else, they wanted to have a baby. They wanted children. And they couldn't have kids. And then one day God says to them, you are going to have so many kids. I mean, you are going to have so many kids, you're not even going to be able to count them. You won't even be able to count them. And to prove it, I'm giving you a new name. You're now Abraham, and you are now Sarah, instead of Sarai and Abram. And those names mean Mother and father of many nations. I mean, that's the translation. And they grew into their new name, even as their family grew. They grew into their new name. Um, Jacob, a guy whose name literally means usurper or swindler. Why would you name your child that? I don't know. But his name was Swindler. (laughs) And uh, God gave him a new name. He named him Israel. He named him Israel, and uh, that literally means wrestle with God or strives with God or may God persevere is a correct translation. And I think about that, and I think about the name of the nation that he became, his family became, and how they strive today, and, but God will persevere. That's how I pray. And God gave Jacob a new name, and he grew into that new name. Another guy, um, Gideon. Gideon uh, was kind of a wuss, Right? He was hiding. The enemy was around and he was hiding. He was no tough guy. He, was, he just was afraid and so he was hiding from the enemies. And, and an angel of God shows up and he says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. He's hiding. 
The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And he's going, say what? What? Are you talking to me? Who's he talking to? And he was used by God in mighty ways in spite of what he believed about himself. And with God's help, he grew into his new name. He grew into it. And God will give you and me a new name. What you've been labeled by in the past is no longer going to be true. God's going to give some of us a new name. Now, maybe you feel unworthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not there yet. Here's what you need to understand. God is going to give you a new name. Some of you are going to be given the new name forgiven. For, forgiven. You may not feel it yet, but you'll grow into your name and your position in Christ. Some of you are going to get the new name overcomer. You've always been told, you know, you're never going to outgrow. You're never going to overcome this. This is going to be what you, God is going to give you a new name and you will grow into that new name. Some of you may believe about yourself your name is inadequate. Inadequate as a mom, inadequate as a dad. I just don't measure up. And God's going to say, no, you are a spiritual mother and you will grow into your name. And the Lord will grow you there. I think God is going to call many of you to be to the name spiritual leader. I believe that. I just believe that that many of you, the Lord is naming you spiritual leader. And that's your name. And you'll lead your family. And you'll lead maybe teenagers at school. Or maybe you'll be the one at the office that just kind of like the light shines all the time. And somebody's marriage is messed up. Hey, can I sit down and talk with you a little bit? You will be a spiritual leader. Because the Lord has called you that. And you, you know, you say, well, I, I don't know. I can't lead anybody anywhere. I messed up myself. I'm too unholy. No. That's your name. Spiritual leader. And God will name you that. And you will grow into your name. You will grow into your name. Many of you have been labeled by things in the past. And you just, you shouldn't believe what other people say to you about your past. You should instead believe God who is the one who will, be, who will bestow on you. He will bestow on you a new name by the Lord's mouth. Second, second thing. God will give you a new purpose. With a new name comes a new purpose. It's over and over again in scriptures. I mean, one of my favorites is a guy named Simon. You probably know who I'm talking about. He, was, he could have been labeled lots of things. Simon was unpredictable. He was undependable. He was wishy-washy. And... Um, one day, he meets this guy named Jesus. And uh, J- Jesus says, oh, you're a fisherman. You catch fish. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Completely different thought. I'm going to give you a new purpose. And you're going to fish for people. In other words, he said to him, you're going to make a difference in the world. You're going to be an evangelist. You're going to be a world changer. He says, I'm going to give you a new purpose. And you're going to do things you never thought you could do. Along with that new purpose comes a new name and a new identity. And so Jesus, Jesus is chatting with him one day and he says, who, um, who do people say that I am? And Simon answers. He says, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. And Jesus says, okay, well, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. What a majestic answer. Holy Spirit said that through him. I mean, that's just, 
amazing. Here's Jesus' reply. We see this in Matthew 16. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, Simon is going to get a new name now. I tell you that you are Petros, Peter. Petros literally means little rock. He's saying, you're no longer undependable. Your name now is Rock. You're no longer, able, no, no longer undependable. You're solid. Your name is Rock. And then Jesus goes on, he says, and then on this Petra, slightly different name, which means massive rock, I will build my church and the gate of Hades will not overcome it. I'm giving you a new name and a new purpose. Now, um, a little tiny rabbit trail there. Jesus is saying to him, your name is Little Rock. I'll build my church on a different, bigger, more massive rock, which is the truth that he had spoken. But nevertheless, he was calling Peter to something. And some of you may not know the whole story about Peter um, uh, all through scripture. He's, he figures prominently, he was, he was um, a pretty significant character. Was Peter always a rock from that point forward? <laughs> no, you know, he's, he's someone we don't mind reading about because his mistakes are hanging out there for us to um, enjoy, I suppose. No, he messed up time after time after time as he was growing into that new name. He's got his new name now. He's got his new purpose now, but he's not doing it yet. He grows into it over time, and we'll see that. And Jesus forgave him. You know, he denied Jesus on the way to three times. I mean, he cut off the guys. He did all kinds of things he ought not to do. He misunderstood what his master wanted. He messed up, messed up, messed up. Jesus forgave him, restored him, and figuratively kind of pat him on the bottom and said, now get up and go do what I created you and signed for you to do. Go be who you are. Not who the world says you are, but come on. Get, get and then on the day of Pentecost, guess who Jesus chose to be the guest speaker? He picks Peter. The one who is best qualified to stand and, and, and say, repent sinners, because Jesus forgives. He had experienced it. I mean, well qualified to say that. And on that day, Peter the Rock led 3,000 people to the Lord. And on that day, the New Testament church was really launched for the first time. And in the end of his ministry days, you know, Peter was um, arrested by the government and they wanted to um, kill him, execute him. And they were going to hang him on a cross. And he said, no, I'm not worthy to die the way my Savior died. So they hung him upside down. He wasn't born like a rock, but he sure went out, died solid. And um, God will give you a new name. And with that new name, a new purpose. And you'll grow into your new purpose. And as you think about the negative label that's been um, associated with your name, it's important to understand that I, I really believe that out of the greatest weakness of your past, God can raise up the greatest strength for your future. Out of our greatest weaknesses, God raises up the greatest strengths. And I promise you, that's what he wants to do for you. I promise you, every one of you, I promise you that's what God wants to do for you. The Lord will bestow on you a new name, He'll give you a new purpose. And then number three, our God will give you a new future. In the power of Christ, 
God's going to give us a new future. I mean, I know a lot of people who are really pessimistic about their future. I'll never have a future. I'm never going to be anything. I'm always going to be alone. I'm always going to be miserable. I'm always going to be in debt. I'm always going to have these headaches. I'm always going to, I'm never going to, I'm always going to, I'm never going to fill in the blank. And we have to be careful that we don't insult God with our faithlessness about our future. Here's what he says about our future. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Maybe you've been labeled, you know, you're always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I'm never going to find a good man, you know. All the good ones are taken, the rest are all jerks. I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I hear stuff like that. And people believe that about themselves. I'm never going to have a good marriage. I'm stuck with this guy who's a bump on a log. Or he's never going to come to Christ. Or she's always nagging at me. You know, my kids are never going to grow up to anything. Or I'm always going to be in debt. Or I'm always going to have this addiction. Or I just can't overcome it. And on and on and on. And out of your greatest weakness... God can raise up your greatest strength, you know. People say, I'm always going to be in debt. I messed up financially. No. God is going to give you a burden to get out of debt. And you're going to learn about it, and you're going to become fanatical, and you're going to get out of debt, and you're going to become a fanatical. And you're going to have Dave Ramsey's face tattooed right here on your shoulder. <laughs> not really, okay. I mean, I'm not telling you to get a tattoo on your shoulder. But I mean, you're going to get fanatic about it. And then not only are you going to be, your life going to be changed, but you're going to be helping other people whose finances are messed up and they just need guidance and they just need help. Why? Because out of your weakness, God can make the greatest strength. God gives you a hope and a future. I think one of the very best stories in all the Bible is about a lady that's labeled with about the lowest, worst label you can put on someone. She's mentioned eight times in the Bible. And six out of those eight, the label is associated with her name. I'm talking about Rahab, the prostitute, Rahab the harlot. And uh, you can read about her first in Joshua chapter 2. And the thing is, her label was true. Now, she was a prostitute, and um, in her culture, she lived in Jericho, and the children of Israel were coming in, and they were going to take over. But in her culture, there were two kinds of prostitutes. There was a temple prostitute which was higher okay on the social scale than the other kind. She, you know, the, the kind that shows up on cops. That's the kind she was. She was the very bottom of, of, of her culture. Had to think about, you know, what did that true label, that true label, what effect did that have on her psychologically, on her heart and on her emotion? How did she think about herself? And she had to be thinking, I'm used goods. I will never be happily married. I will never be able to produce healthy children. I, no one, nobody could ever love me. God could never love me. Somewhere she heard about the God of Israel, and there's a, there's a brief mention in there, and it basically it says her heart melted. Her heart melted. How tender. She had heard about God. Her heart melted. And I think that, I really, I mean, I suppose I'm hanging out here a little bit on this, but I think that there's a possibility that there are some hearts that are melting in this room right now because the goodness of the Lord is at work. 
And the goodness of the Lord is drawing people to him. And the goodness of the Lord wants to not only melt hearts, but he wants to melt away labels that don't belong, that he doesn't see. And so what she does is she risks her life to protect two spies from Israel. I think in an effort to get to know their God. It's an opinion. It's as good as any. It's a good one. I like that idea. And you have this, this prostitute, this hooker, this harlot, who becomes a savior for a couple of spies from Israel. And she becomes a savior for a group of people around her family because of what she does, which kind of foreshadows something of the future that we'll talk about in a minute, all out of Rahab the prostitute. And when she got to know God, she became a new person. This woman became a new person. I'm convinced, doesn't say so in the word, but I'm convinced that somewhere in there, God renamed her. I'm just convinced of it. It's, it's, and with her new name came a new purpose, and with that new purpose came a new future for her. And here's what God did, um, what nobody else thought was possible. God brought her a very loving man, and they had a great marriage, and his name was Salmon, just like the fish. I mean, I don't know if it means the fish, but it's spelled the same way. And she brings him this man, and they get married, and they have a happy marriage, and they produce a son. And then they produce a grandson, and, and he produces a grandson, and a great-grandson, and a great-great-grandson, and a great-great-great-grandson, and a great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-
2 Corinthians 5 says that if anyone be in Christ, he's a new person. The old is gone and the new life has come. Let's pray.